An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. It's episode 444 of An Elegant Weapon. 444. I know, right? It's uh, it's creeping nice. up there. It's uh, yeah, it, it got out of control. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> yeah. when, when you think when you think about the twelve years I've been doing this, and if you, if I had actually put out an episode a week for those twelve years, it would probably be like a third higher than it is. But there were yeah, lots yeah. of times, right? I, I like I I don't push myself. I'm not like I don't feel that that absolute need that I gotta put something out. Like if I'm not feeling it for a few weeks, fuck it. I'm I'm not podcasting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have yeah. to have that balance. You're with not it. a content creator. <laughs> yeah. No, like four forty four. That's 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 not a small feat. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's pretty. You know, I'm very very proud of it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's any yeah. kind of chintzy number, but I'm I'm kind yeah. of more prouder of the the length of time I've been doing it than the amount of episodes I've done. <laughs> right. Like you stuck to it. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. Like I dipped in and out here and there. Like there's a little while. Like you know, just for family. I mean, Kev, you know what that's all about. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. oh, yeah. you know it took us so goddamn long to get our our new issue, but we'll get into that. <laughs> But yeah, you sometimes yeah. you just got to take a break. Like I don't I don't like to like I like to, you know, I don't want to disappear for too long or anything, but you got to have that balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. If I were to have a podcast, I think it would just be one episode. I'm like, I don't want this responsibility anymore. Someone else take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, kids, if you didn't read the uh, title of tonight's episode, uh two old friends are back to hang out with us once again. That's Paul Limyanko and Kevin Briones. Woo! Hello, yes, welcome back, yeah. fellas, uh, and welcome back to the scene in a way. Well, not not so much you, Paul, but Kevin. You you kind of dipped out for a while there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. That was that was a lot of just work, right? Like like yeah, like, like real life work. Yeah, like the you know when you're uh, when you're a comic creator, you're always uh, you're, you're kind of beholden to to the day job still. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I totally feel you, Paul. I don't know if we've ever actually yeah. talked about it, but do you have a day job, or are you just a straight up pro freelance illustrator? Yeah, that's that's all it is. I uh, I just uh, freelance all the time. Like I did, I did have like a day job before, and uh, I was doing animation stuff like at night, <laughs> and then. And then I got let go. I'm like, okay, good, because I didn't, because I wanted to spend more time doing this other stuff. Right on, because you went to Sheridan, right? right? Like, yeah, uh, I went to Sheridan after I went to OCAD. Oh, damn, that's yeah. that's some but education the behind stuff, you. Like I say, animation, but it's more cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and and in grade three, I won. Best public speaking, third place actually. <laughs> FYI, nice. Wait a minute. Go back for, to what you just when said. I was nine. Go back to what you just said about uh, meeting. What's yeah. the difference between animation or... and cartooning? Oh, oh, I don't know. No, but, well, let me correct myself. 
So I wasn't actually animating anything. It was for a cartoon. So I was doing the title cards. Oh. So like it was what? Yeah, it was basically two, basically one title card a week that I had to paint um, for a show called Almost Naked Animals, which I had never heard of before. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was totally out of my element. It's like all cartoony, uh, but sort of shaded realistically um i know i learned a lot from that i had to, i don't know how many I painted but it was it was a lot that's a cool experience though you good know? time yeah, yeah 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 it was basically doing like covers <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. every episode like i get i get the storyboards or the animatics and then i uh i don't know, basically have to summarize the story and then i talk to the director have meetings and tells me to do this this and this and change that because he was also an illustrator also so he uh he was telling me you know watch out for this don't do this and so i don't know i feel like i learned a lot that i still apply to whatever i'm working on nowadays <laughs> so you did you did uh <laughs> artwork for animations or did you do the actual i did the actual uh title cards so yeah. like i have uh like two solo seconds on tv <laughs> Ooh, who's that yeah so yeah. so how does it work then uh as a freelancer in your situation like like because i'm always curious i mean I, I i know a few professional artists i mean other than like really well-named comic book artists that we all know make a living making you know comic books for marvel and dc i only know a handful of other artists who aren't working for those big two who managed to actually yeah. sustain a lifestyle doing freelance. Is, is it a grind for you? Have oh, you yeah, kind of yeah. figured it out over the years? Like, Oh, it's a grind that I don't think I'll ever figure out. Right. Like it's it for a while. It was like, why, why don't I get like a real job? You know what I mean? Like that gets with a steady paycheck and all that other stuff. But, um, I don't know. It was just like, didn't want to, you know? No, like, sure. So, Chase the dream. Yeah. 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 Right. So, and I don't know, part, it's part stubbornness too. Well, I guess you need an element <laughs> um, of that to drive you through it. Right. Yeah. 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 Like I, 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 I feel like if, when it comes to like the creative stuff or chasing anything, you have to be stubborn to, to do it. Right. And not settle. Uh, um, and it definitely helped pay the bills when Kevin hooked me up with a lot of MLSC yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I did like a lot of, I was hired to do a lot of like personalized paintings on certain gifts for, um, whatever concerts would, uh, would be happening at, uh, Scotiabank arena. Yeah. You, you and you have so to say who you did it for. <laughs> okay so the first one was they wanted a painting uh for pearl gem awesome so i was like yeah i can do it cool yeah so then it was pretty much what i was used to it was kind of like painting something that was in like the drew struzan movie poster kind of style um which i don't know i i always like studying whatever he did so that was kind of within my element and then the second one I don't know how many weeks later, but I get an email saying, can you, can you paint on a surfboard? And I'm like thinking, no, but yes. <laughs> right. right. And the surfboard yeah. 
was for Selena Gomez because she had a concert. That's rad. Um, I don't remember what the third one was. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Like, <laughs> like, so, like, I had to actually go to a surfboard store, and like, I didn't, I don't know, I had to, like, they didn't Google even supply you like, with the you surfboard. On the surfboard. What paint? Did you... Oh no, they did, they did, but I had okay. to pick it up. Where it didn't make any sense for them to pick it up, to, and then bring it to Scotia Bank Arena, and then. Me bring it home to paint. On, I guess right? it'd be so weird to get a surfboard, surfboard was kind delivered of the to your house, right? Lived, anyway, okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, is it? Is what it? Else? Sorry, is it? I'm just curious. Is yeah. it? Like, is it pitching? Is it? Uh, like, how do you find freestyle jobs? Do, do do companies like put out ads? Is it like like kind of like when they're like looking for like employees? Um, do they put out like tenders of like, hey? Other places that they can put up a job, say, hey, we're looking for a freestyle artist for a freelance artist for this project. Or do you have to approach companies with a portfolio? Like, how does that work? I'd say all of the above. Like, uh, okay. like how, how many comic book artists and other artists? Well, yeah, comic book artists, we know a ton mm-hmm. of, right? And, you know, I, I feel like I can do uh, a few other things as uh, a lot of other people that we know can also they're not just limited to comics right so you're, you're to pay the bills you're trying to paint or draw for all sorts of different fields right so movies tv i don't know games and toys and all that other stuff right so you you kind of cast your net in different different spots and so you gotta apply for uh i don't know all things that you find online so before I was applying at like freelance, which I don't even know if is a thing anymore. Um, oh man, there was this other one. I can't remember this website, but you basically had to bid on jobs. It was, it was so many different job boards. Like That's when so I weird. was coming out of school. Yeah. When I was coming out of school, like, I don't know, 20, almost 20 years ago, I was doing, I would, I would even look at Craigslist. <laughs> sure. uh, there was the school job boards. And you've done um, stuff through like Fiverr too, right? No, I've I've never done that because I've never I, I I always was under the impression that it was always for five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. it, it is it is for for uh, significantly lower than you know a professional freelance artist. Right? Oh yeah, yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah. I can say that from you know from freelancing in the motion design world where it's uh i'll look at stuff there and then uh you know it's it's comparative a lot of the time you you pay what you get you're you yeah you get what you pay for um but uh yeah it's stuff like that where it's a job board and um yeah a lot of the stuff freelance that we do is kind of for the most part it's word of mouth Right. Yeah, it makes sense. People that you know, people who've recommended you. Yeah. New people. Yeah, I guess like, recommendations yeah, you, uh, are huge. Yeah. You, and you pick up different things. Like, yeah. Um, I remember, I don't know if this is true, and I know never looked it up, but I heard that uh, years ago, I heard that um, Elon Musk doesn't advertise for Tesla. And he only, his advertising is, or his business model pretty much for marketing is just to have such a good product that people talk about it so it's word of mouth right because people like you look at reviews for any business or restaurant that kind of thing you'll get 
people reviewing it because it's really good or really bad, right? Yeah, no, and totally. So people, yeah. So if your if your product is good enough for people to talk about and pass it around, then people are going to come to you. So I'm like, okay. So regardless of how much people are going to pay me freelance, I'm going to try and get a do a job good enough so that they tell their friends and then their friends tell their friends and all that of other course. stuff. Right? Yeah. Reputation yeah. is key, man, for sure. I worked for a company. Yeah. I worked for a company for 14 years and that company is now like well over a hundred years old and they stand wow. completely on their service. They have never advertised and it's the wow. biggest, like one of the biggest tree companies in the world. And they literally, they, they, they survived off word of mouth and their, but that was their thing. Their, their service and their product was so good that, Mm -hmm. you know, every neighbor would tell every neighbor who did their trees sort of thing. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely possible for your product to be the thing that shines. You know, it's cool how, you know, you can go either way. Sometimes the product will like become so super successful on its own, but then other times it's like purely the branding and the thing behind it is, is kind of shit. You know, it can go either way, really. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. That's when you have to be worried about like endorsements or something. Right. Like, in, yeah. in that same token, the company I used to work for hadn't won a Stanley Cup in maybe <laughs> 60 years. <laughs> Yet, one of the most <laughs> profitable teams in hockey. That's the insane <laughs> thing, right? Like, <laughs> Like the Toronto Maple Leafs are like the New York Yankees of hockey. They have like all the money and they can never, ever win. It's just ridiculous. But Kevin, like speaking of that, you have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have experience in both worlds. You know, you've kind of hopped back and forth. You've had them steady corporate arty jobs and uh, and been a bit of freestyle. I guess there's good and bad in both, right? Yeah, it's the it's uh, it's all the the good aspects of both were what ended up being my reprieve from both as well. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, when I was getting burnt out by the corporate world, that's where I immersed myself in my own art because that was my, that was my release from the corporate world. Right. And then yeah. when I reached a, a, a creative block, that's where I'd go back into the, the corporate world than just kind of you know be a cog in the machine and and you know make you know make, make some cool stuff be part of a team and then you know the uh the independent artist stuff is where you know you get to create you know your own vision and you're kind of the you're kind of the leader in in that world so you make something that's totally you right it's it's yeah. brave. I mean, it's 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 brave enough to just be a freestyler because you're throwing your whole life into that. But you yeah. jumping back and forth like that is uh is it, it's crazy because you know you can you get security, you get comfortable, you're in a good spot, and then you're like, no, I'm gonna jump out of that for a while. It's uh that takes a lot of balls, man. I know it's a hard thing to give up those type things when you haven't done it from the beginning. Like you've had a taste of security. You know what I mean? Is it, does it make it scary to go back to freestyle or, or freelance? It is, it, it is, it is scary. Yeah. Only cause, only cause I, you know, I, I know what it feels like to have the security. Um, 
but I would also think about like, you know, at, at what cost, right? Mm -hmm. The, the work life balance was so imbalanced, you know, when I had that security, I felt more fulfilled, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm actually creating, when I'm actually making my own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're like, you speak of the, the, the balance. I mean, your kids are like a crucial age right now, right? Like your kids are still fairly young enough that you want to get some time in. Like, I know what it's like. I just spent the summer, like my kids probably so sick of me, but I I just like concentrated on spending as much time with them as I could. Cause he's 12, he's about to turn 13 and he's already like the second. Yeah. The second the school year started, he's gone. Like me and him yeah. were thicker than thieves all summer long. The second school started, he's out. He's with his friends yeah. every night. He's off doing whatever. I don't exist anymore. So I knew it was coming. Those, those bad influences. Oh. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly <laughs> the same as me. It's like I'm like, yeah, just be home for dinner, okay? Right? Yeah, they're good. Kids. I'm I'm glad I'm glad he's hanging out with good kids and stuff. But yeah, it's a big difference. But that's part of what I did this summer. I I feel you because I was like. I because summer's my my busy time, right? Like yep. that's when the tree business is at its height, and where our production drive is is hardcore. And every year yep. I go so hard. And this year I was in a situation where it afforded me to be able to take a little more time to uh, to spend with the boy and just go camping and you know just hang out more. Do you know? And I just be yep. around each other, engaged. Not where he's just like here in his room playing video games. Where we're actually like engaging with each other, right? It was. Yeah, that was you know, and it worked out. It was great. We had a blast. It's a summer I'll never forget. You know, so oh, it's awesome. How did you get started doing that? What the tree climbing? Yeah. Um. It was two. Okay. It was the year. Okay. Okay. Actually, I can start this kind of cooler. Uh. It was 1999, <clears throat> and I was working at the Coliseum at Square One. Uh huh. And it was so cool because it was when the Phantom Menace came out. I was working there. I worked there for a couple of years, but I was there when the Phantom Menace came out, which was like the last of the great big lineups. You know, it was the last (laughs) of the of the it was the last of the great lineup (laughs) movies where helicopters were flying over top. People had tents. People were watching the holiday special like in line. They set up TVs (laughs) and shit like it was absolutely insane. And you can't Um, pick your seats in advance either yeah no yeah that's why there were two there was right, this, yeah. there were separate lineups there was a, a the mega lineup just to buy tickets and then the mega lineup just to get into your seat right or ticket oh my god yeah <laughs> so just after that uh i just wasn't making enough money and a friend of mine hooked me up with a job oh it's the worst job i ever had <laughs> i was like 22 and it was die casting you know what die casting is with like zinc and like, yeah. okay, basically like, you know, when you'd have like a, a a barbecue or a fridge and it would have like Frigidaire or Kenmore, it would have the little yeah. zinc metal label attached to it. I yeah. made those like by, by like the hundreds that, of thousands of day, but wow. they were these big, massive fucking press machines that had these big cauldrons of melted zinc that you just kept putting zinc bars into and they would close. It was like working on like, like, like in Jabba's like dungeon it was like big press machines being like steam and just crazy shit little bits of molten zinc flying in your face it was the worst thing (laughs) i ever did i hated it so fucking much and i had a buddy who was already working in the tree biz 
And he's like, we're looking for summer help. Like, do you want to come work with us for the summer? So I was like, cool, man. And I was like a 20, I think it was 24 at that point. And I was a fat little drama goth kid partying drug face fucking just not doing anything. And I got this job. And <laughs> for the first two weeks, all I did was come home after work and sleep till the next day. Like just immediately this job, like I was so out of shape despite being young and everything. I was a fucking mess. And uh, but Were you like this- cutting trees right off the bat. Well, I was like dragging brush and raking. Like I got hired as a groundsman. So I was like the backup, the guy on the ground, dragging all the brush to the chipper and chipping and raking and and cleaning up basically, right? And the thing about... They give you a helmet and like they strap you in and they're like, get up there. No, it's not (laughs) like... a chainsaw. Nowadays, they kind of do that. Nowadays, (laughs) they're just like, get them up there. But it, it took me a couple of years to like earn that. You know, they used to be different back in the day. Uh, so uh but the same thing within two or three weeks i'd also fallen in love with it you know my life had no direction at the time i was just partying and drinking and i had no direction and uh mm-hmm. yeah and that straightened me right the fuck out here i am 23 20 almost 23 years later and uh yeah, uh, yeah of wow. all the all the stuff i have i owe it to trees yeah because it right. not only did it like kick my ass into growing up it it taught me how to be a man, not in like, you know, a toxic sense. Just don't anybody take that wrong. I'm so sick of that shit. But it did like it taught me thing. to like be a man in the respect of working hard, having responsibilities, yeah. being accountable for shit, you know. And yeah. uh, it also afforded me a life where I eventually got to the point where I could go back to the things that I used to love to do. Because I grew up an actor. I wanted to be a filmmaker. That's all I cared about. But I discovered drugs and I partied it away. And, you know, enough of trees and stuff. I got to the point where, uh, you know, I I had built enough of a life for myself. I could start kind of doing things again. And I thought drugs is how people get into acting. Yeah, no, that 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 wasn't that wasn't the route that uh, would have worked for me at all. So, yeah. And then eventually, you know, it was like it was 2010. So I had been doing it since 2001. So I'd been doing it for nine years and I got to a point where I, you know, built everything up. And that's when my kid was born. Mm -hmm. And my friend and I were huge podcast fans. And we decided to start our own because Kevin Smith kept saying fucking everyone should be doing it. And I was like, sure. (laughs) <laughs> and now here we are now, 12 years after that, and all the cool creative shit I get to do. 44 episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and all this, the panel hosting, the live events, you know, yeah. I just wrote I just wrote my first fucking comic book. Oh, that's right. Right? Nice. You know, yeah. I got a three-issue arc. It's with the editor. I got a fucking artist all lined up, which I'm hoping to announce soon. I just don't want to jump the gun. I mean, there's nothing to really not jump the gun about, but I just want to make it a special announcement. And uh, yeah, yeah, I've been talking about it to you guys for fucking 12 years. I figured it's about time I actually, you know, did one myself. And I had the best time. Like, I didn't force myself. I spent Sunday mornings was my writing time. Every Sunday I'd wake up and I'd write. And, you know, some days for just a little bit. And then other Sundays it'd be like, I'd get up at like five in the morning and like right to like noon and not even realize it. And I, I just had a blast. I felt like being a little kid again, 
like just like puking shit out onto the page and then fixing it later. You know, I yeah, think like, yeah. I don't know for you, Kev, but like for me, it was like just doing it. Like once you finally literally start just puking out words and not caring what they are, where they're going, where they're meaning, they will start to craft themselves to a point yeah. where you can craft them later. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it it's part of the, uh, I guess the joy of world building, right? Right. Yeah. You can, you can can spit out ideas. Maybe that's not going to work in this storyline. This is in the backstory. Oh no, this is going to happen later on in issue 23 when I get to it. But right now it's only a three issue arc, right? Yeah. Yeah. But wasn't it like, wasn't that part of the reason you brought, I may be wrong, but vaguely Mm -hmm. I seem to remember part of the reason you brought Paul into this is because you just had so much you wanted to do with it and like had so many ideas that you, uh, you just needed that ed- extra little punch. Is that what happened or am I off? Well, it's, uh, I mean, there's a bit of that. There's a bit of, uh, uh, you know, me and Paul had met in spent pencils. Right. Um, and then um, uh, actually found out that we were uh, uh indirectly related to each other yes i remember this too yeah right 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 <laughs> and uh, as it turns out like when my parents first came to uh to canada uh his his aunt right yeah that's right um were my parents first friends in toronto right yes yeah <laughs> that is too cool man yeah, yeah and then yeah. i guess you know there have been so many times where our paths could have intersected before and they might have even they might have even we just never we were both just these weird introverts that just probably stood at opposite ends of the room from each other <laughs> yeah. oh man it's so cool well, you came together uh-huh. when it was meant to be i guess right yeah like yeah. and look look yeah. what you guys have created together out of it you know we were probably drawing in the same room yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah it's uh you know we we're we we're looking for a project to work on together um and then at the time in spent pencils i was working on the go man yeah title. right right um uh you know, and then and then, you know, the idea of neon black came into play, and um, you know, with Paul's style being so uh, distinct, like our two our two styles are are totally different from one another. But they right? don't clash. They don't clash. They yeah. do not clash. Yeah, but they um, are distinct for sure. Yeah, yeah. and um, we kind of felt that like. You know his uh, uh, his art style was really it really worked well for when you're looking at like backstories or flashbacks, right? There's something in the flashback where it's like, you know, what you remember, you always remember kind of uh, the more beautiful parts about the flashback. Oh, it's always a painting in your head for sure. It's always a painting in your head. Everything's yeah. all perfect, right? That's why. I, Pulse was perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from a writing standpoint, Paul's, you know, he's the first person uh to uh to shoot down ideas that are lame for me. <laughs> well, that's important. You gotta yeah. you gotta be honest with each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's too many of... dragons in this. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Well, I expect honesty and communication. Those are, you know, those are important parts of a relationship. But there also there's that just natural melding, you know, when you guys yeah. just get along naturally. It just it's like, well, I just last episode I had Sean Daly and Easton Deverna on. And mm. I think we we can we try to count all the things they've done together. They've done like seven to nine books together at this point. Oh, wow. And it's just because they get along. Yeah. You know, yeah. they met, they melded, they mashed, and now they're good buddies and they love creating shit together. It's that simple, yeah. you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a nine. So <laughs> luckily that led to finally getting uh, the recently released third issue of Neon yeah. Black. The third issue. Yeah. Long waited. Um, uh, definitely worth the wait, though. Um yeah, it was very exciting. It was uh, without spoiling anything. Uh, it uh, it went up a couple notches as far as like like uh, what's the word? You you revved it up a couple notches. It yeah. feels like a little bit more action, a little bit more adventure in there. Yeah, um, this in the story, it's kind of it's kind of reached that boiling point uh, where you know everyone's kind of been you know the the premise has been uh, stated. Um, she had been on the run, and now everyone's you know all the all the main players are on the stage right now. Yeah, all the truth is out. And, yeah, uh, as you say, everyone's uh, at the party. Uh, going yeah. back to the beginning, though, just so people understand, we're talking about your guys' book, Neon Black, which is uh, one of the reasons I love this book so much is because it is so unique to anything else that, that's out there. It's it's I mean, it's hard to really peg down what it is. I guess if you had to put it into a genre, you could say sci-fi, but there's there's it's more of like sci-fi elements with fantasy elements with uh, with yeah. adventure elements. And, you know, there's so much more to it that you guys have like melded together in a way that there really there is not a lot out there like this as far as world building goes. Now, we're uh, we're in the world of Atlantis. Yeah. Now, is this just using the name because you liked it and inspired by, or are you intending this to be like the original Atlantis on what is now an Armageddon type Earth? It's it. I mean the the backstory uh, goes all the way back to the time of Atlantis, right? Um, right now, Neon Black takes place on the man-made continent of Atlantis to where, you know, we've, we've, we've recreated our version of Atlantis, um, uh, here on earth today. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember because it's a, it's an acronym Atlantis, uh, but I can't remember it right now, but, uh. Is it, is it in the world? first issue? Um, it it's actually in one of I believe it's in one of the issues of Go Man. Oh, wait, what? Why would it be? Those aren't cross universe, are they? Oh, what? I what's, let it out the bag. Oh my god, what's happening? Are we getting <laughs> yeah, an so exclusive the, here? Yeah the uh, the Go Man storyline is actually part of the backstory for Alice's storyline in Neon Black. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, you got you got the book. You want to show a couple Easter eggs? 
Uh, oh. Well, no one's going to see this, so there's no oh, point right. in sharing images. I was just trying to look for that, if that acronym was in here or not, because I don't remember. Because yeah. I just reread all three issues recently, and I don't remember the acronym being in the in this one. But yeah, either way. It's, it's only, like, mentioned. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you in uh, some of the flashbacks, you do see, like, shots of, of Go-Man in the flashbacks. That is too rad. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Right. Right. Um, in, in issue three? In issue one. In issue, yeah, issue one. Uh, two, How I, I believe. And two also. Okay, this means now I have to reread Go Man so I can refresh because it's been on <laughs> all straight up. It's been years since I've read Go Man. So I'll have to read that one yeah. to, to see, yeah. to find the Easter eggs. Let me, hold on. Let me see if I can. That's exciting. Okay. So. So while you're looking there, Paul, we got so we're in Atlantis, which is what you just explained in our like Armageddon world. uh, And there are metahumans, which am I wrong? Okay, we have made a switch for issue three. Yeah, well, I I made I made the switch and then uh, I actually made the switch in issue two. Really? Um, Okay. You all realizing that like, okay, metahumans, that's. That's more of a DC term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured yeah. when I was reading uh I'm reading issue three and you went straight up to mega humans. I was like, yep, that's a smart thing to do. You don't want to mess yeah. with the big boys, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that and you know, I still wanted to keep it like it's it's my own thing, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we're on in this world where there are mega humans. Yep. And there are the normal humans. Yeah. And yeah. there are like cyborgs and rooters are what you're calling. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on Atlantis and we have the mega humans. Um, now, Kev, go ahead hmm. and explain the relationship and the dynamics between the mega humans and the cyborgs and the rooters and everybody. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on the man-made continent of Atlantis, uh, this point in history, um, the mega humans act more as you know they're they're the protect they consider themselves the protectors of the human race, right? Um, but as such, they you know to to some they're more uh, almost like a it's almost seen as like a police state, almost where where uh, uh, you know superheroes are are kind of being utilized more by as like as like the police right right and led by kind of my my superman figure mr infinity mr infinity mr infinity yeah um so uh you know it's uh they're they're a divisive part of society in that yeah they do these amazing things but you know there's parts where yeah they're you know, some of them are just like regular humans, but they have superpowers. So, you know, they'll 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 uh, uh, sometimes they'll abuse it. Sometimes they'll actually use it for good. Right. right? Um, I always got the general sense that they weren't exactly welcome all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like there's you know there's a few panels in in throughout the issues where you'll see there's people who are like protesting. They're tired of super heroes everywhere yeah 
Yeah, well, it seems to be starting like it seemed to start to go to their heads, too. Right. Like it seemed like when uh, when uh, it's the echelon, right. That's uh, Mr. Infinity and Elora. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he and her are the echelon, which is like this superhero partnership. Um, But it seems like in the beginning, they were a lot more pure about the whole situation and then kind of to get a little more dictatorish. It's a it's a little bit more dictatorish. <clears throat> I think for the most part, it's you know it's 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 portrayed by you know the kind of the officers of the echelon itself. Yeah. Um, you know, like like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Alice's former team, right? Yes. Um, so you can kind of see it with them. Um, but then you know when you get onto the human side, um. You know, you've got uh, uh, the the cyborgs and the uh, uh, the cybers and the rooters. That's kind of like their answer to like superheroes, right? Like these yeah. these would our superheroes, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't need superpowers; to, we can take care of ourselves, right? Um, so cybers are people who have like augmented themselves to make them stronger, faster. Right. Um, DIY superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> DIY superheroes. <laughs> um, and then rooters are people who have uh, 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 on on Atlantis and only on Atlantis. There's this root that grows, um, and it's called the uh, uh, Filarensian root. And um, that's that's something from the Go Man storyline. Um, oh shit! Really? And, yeah, <laughs> I was clueless to all this. <laughs> it. I mean, I haven't even gotten to that part in in the issues just yet. Oh, this is in your head still. Oh, I see. Yeah, the worlds are colliding in, in your head. Okay, world I got building, it. right? Yeah. Um, but the 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 thing with the the Filarentian route is that. You know, it temporarily gives you uh, strength, speed, heightened awareness. Um, it's pretty much like a like a organic cocaine, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, it also has its addictive properties to it too. So if you, you know, if you if you take it too much, then you start to become dependent on it. Right. Right. Um, the same with the, you know, same with like the cybers, if you get, you know, augmented too much, it starts to mess with your head a little bit to where it's like, you know, if, if someone's 90% robot, then they've pretty much lost all their humanity. Yeah, no, I hear that. It's, it's, it's really cool. This world in the way that you've built these, you know, you got the superheroes the megas and then you've got your you know your other fringes and they're ones we're familiar with it's neat to make them clash but just the fact that you've put them in this world that is ours yet is so unrecognizable yeah like it feels so foreign and fantastic to me like the just the whole society you can tell by it feels so far away from now like it doesn't yeah. just feel like a hundred years in the future or two hundred. This feels like thousands of years in the future of of our future, to a yeah. point where where science has reached like a, a like a point of mysticism, 
where where there's this blurred line. That's the thing I think I love most about Neon Black. Yeah. Is is the way now is that conscious or is that something I'm just finding that I like out of the book? No, it's it's a it's a bit of a conscious decision. Just part of the you know that that whole backstory um of that, you know, where where Atlantis comes into play, like the actual Atlantis that we know in all the storybooks in the myths and the legends, right? Mm-hmm. Um so you know, we go back to that storyline of uh of Atlantis like it was you know fabled to have uh uh you know advanced technology for its time um uh it was it was one of the most advanced societies of its time back in you know in Greece right right yeah. um so in in playing around with that like I always played around with a lot of ancient civilizations right so roughly back in that time um there was also another uh another continent that existed um very similar to having a you know advanced technology and 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 uh like in a uh an advanced society as well called lemuria right yeah um now, in in uh, you know in the neon black back storyline, um, I have it so that uh, Atlantis uh, that was uh, a place of like you know humans who evolved from monkeys, right? Right. Um, and for Lemuria, they're humans who evolved from lizards. Okay. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking this up now. <laughs> and um and so these two continents would like would war against each other back in those days. Is this still all in your head? I I do have it written back in Okay, in well the, don't spoil the... all the stories that you're <laughs> gonna potentially maybe tell us one day because my whole point here is that I love oh. the fact that you've gone so far enough in the future. That yeah. you can be, t- you're telling this story in two directions at the same time. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. the brilliance of it. And I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, stop. I want to read that shit. You're telling me, like, honestly, the good shit. And that's one cool thing about this is that Atl- the real Atlant to these Atlanteans, the yeah. real Atlantis feels so far long ago that it's even a myth to them now. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So- yeah, and it, you know, in in present day. They've called it Atlantis as an homage to what they what they think Atlantis was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love this, man. I love it. Yeah. It's that's yeah. you know what? It's it's I hate to say it, but I don't hate to say it. Is it's it's incredibly Star Wars in that way. And a lot of yeah. stories don't give themselves enough distance between what we know and what could be and you know star wars is a good example of that star wars is tens of thousands of years away and you know you've left i mean i don't know i don't even want to know the specific amount of time i like the mystery that it just feels so far away i love that you've you found that that vibe you know yeah (laughs) i mean to answer your question about you know whether uh you know the mysticism is a conscious choice it's yes 
you know, because the whole backstory is rooted in in part historical fact <laughs> or part historical literature and and you know kind of my uh fantasticalizing yeah 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 yeah. that's a word now i'll yeah, take it i'll take it i'll take it for 10 points sounds good and that's that's my that's the fun of this story is but i mean other than that the characters are rad um yeah you know, and even a few characters get a little bit more of a spotlight in issue three, and they're yeah. kind of the more fun, rough and tumble characters. Uh, yeah. A couple of them, like Grumbles. Yes. And uh, what's Sachi Grumbles? Grumble. A lot more Grumbles. And what's his partner? <laughs> Sachi. Yeah. So Sachi. there's a lot more of those guys in there, which just brings a, a tiny bit more element of uh, a fun to the, to to the book. Um, yeah. But yeah, Alice Infinity. Who is yep. the daughter of Mr. Infinity and Alora? Yeah. Uh, she is your main character, and yeah. it's a story of growth and discovery. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's been an it's been a three-issue arc so far of her discovering who she is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, where she came from. Um, and now I feel we're finally hitting that point of now she's gotta decide on who she's meant to be. Yeah. 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 And that's what uh it's so what we're going to be looking at in issue four. Yeah, and I'm very excited. It's hard to talk about her too much without spoiling yeah. it because, you know, and another great thing about this book is you're learning something new. Like every couple pages, there's something new. There's a little yeah. new surprise to further along the backstory. And yeah. that's what I mean by, you know, you're tell- I don't mean you're telling this story so much all the time in flashbacks, even though, you know, the side stories and flashbacks are, are amazing, especially mm-hmm. with Paul's art taking you into them so deeply is is that you know the story keeps rolling ahead but a lot of perfect exposition of kind of little things that have happened in the past or where things came from like i fucking love yeah yeah Yeah. and still alluding to even more of a bigger world right um you know and i'm you know i'm talking particularly about the one character raza Mm -hmm. right where he kind of you know takes the mask off and and kind of says hey there's something more outside of outside of here <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i oh, gotta love a good hero's tale right yeah 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 the mystery of who oneself is yeah. uh how do you do with that information right yeah how exactly you yeah, know, when you all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. well, everything you've ever known yourself to be all of a sudden is thrown into question. Like, you know, that's a terrifying place to be for anybody, whether it's emotionally or physically or, you know, whatever kind of situation you're in when you're thrown for a loop like that, it's uh, it can be devastating. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's been a challenge to, to kind of write for from every different perspective. Right. So you have. You've got Alice who's, you know, obviously dealing with, okay, here's this truth about who I am that I've just discovered, right? Um, but when I'm when I'm writing Elora and Mr. Infinity and uh, you know, how how they're reacting to, you know, to her doing what she's doing, you know, there's part of it is uh, okay, as a parent, how would I react? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but also, 
when you throw that superhero aspect into it, you know, knowing who Alice is right. and knowing she's kind of going down that path, you know, do I, uh, has she gone past the point of no return to where I have to see her as an enemy now? Or, or is, is there still, is there still an inkling of the daughter that I raised that I can bring back to the good side? To right, the good depending side. on, yeah, to, yeah, air quotes, the good side, because I mean, yeah. you know, there's, 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 like I say, it's a lot of surprises. So there's confusing and conflicting emotions for the reader as well, which is yeah. great to go along with her on this ride, you know, yeah. and we're kind of feeling it the confusion as she is going along. And yeah. I also really love the fact that you have been able to write a strong, interesting, unique female character without it, uh, without concentrating on that. Yeah. Like it's not about what, like, like female empowerment in any way. It's, uh, it's not about, you know, uh, you know, keeping a minority down and, and them having to rise. There's no, you know, a lot of the times when you it feels pushed or forced when a guy tries to write a strong female character, there's a lot of stereotypical cliches that they mm. almost can't help but avoid because as men, we just, we don't see it in a certain way. You seem to be able to write this character as just a human. Yeah. Now, do you, does the, does the gender just, doesn't seem to matter at all like is that how it is for you like you just you know you don't do you ever consider like how a woman would treat this situation or do you just you're just writing it as a human would feel it well all all the time like so you know in uh in like the initial like first drafts i'll i'll write it as a human right um um and and you know, kind of empathize with the situation of like, okay, how would how would a regular person react to this, right? Um, and then for for a lot, you know, I've got uh, you know, I've got you know my uh, a a close circle of friends and family who I'd be, you know, who I who I run it past. I'm like, is this how a woman would react to this? Okay. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, yeah. I, I do have that sounding board to be like, yeah, no, it, it's your you're you're writing how a guy would react to this or or you know what she if she if she approached it this way, this might be a little bit more sincere. Right. right? I'm always I'm always cognizant of, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm writing how I think a woman would act which is not how I want to like <laughs> how I want right. to sound. Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> but um, for the most part, it's, you know, the story is about just self-discovery in general. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like the, you know, finding out that, uh, that your, your father is the biggest supervillain and threat to humanity. It doesn't really matter whether you're his daughter or his son. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all, right? Well, I just love the fact that you do kind of ignore it. You know, a lot yeah. of guys will just be too conscious of the fact that they're writing for a woman, but you seem to have just been like, no, she's a chick, and then that was it. 
Yeah. You know, and plus you've gotten, I'm sure you have to go for advice less as the issues go on. I mean, this is your third issue writing her. You're getting to know her pretty well, right? Yeah. 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 So um, how much involvement in the story do you get, Paul? Like, do you, you know, do you often suggest there's too many dragons or are you just rolling along? Are you really excited to see what happens next? Or are you just yeah? Uh, no, no, I, I, I totally let Kevin captain this ship. Like I try to, I avoid being like a backseat writer basically because he's the one that's done the research, read all the books, and like I know next to nothing about writing. So if if I ever have any writing questions, I ask him. Right. right? So, um, but like he'll he'll send me parts of the script, and I'll be like, "What's this again?" It kind of like this podcast, and he like tells me to go back into Go Man or another yeah. issue. Like, oh yeah, yeah, this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. cool, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like if it it's it's harder, it's a lot easier to see once things are like laid out because Kevin does all the layouts too. So when everything's laid out, I'm like, okay, so this happens here, this happens here. What if we change this panel or whatever? So just the small things, but nothing to do with so like, more like blocking and stuff than yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm plot. not, I'm not, right. I'm not yeah. uh, telling him about. There's this other lost continent that you don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever write at all for for just for yourself? For uh, so I. <laughs> I have like sample pages that I've done, like uh, a Batman story and a Wolverine story, but then anything serious I haven't actually done. I've told I've toyed with the idea of writing writing a book only so that I have a story that I have that I know I'm going to enjoy writing or um, you know for painting sure you're for. Like to draw, yeah, <laughs> you nice. know what I mean? Yeah, like because yeah, you know yeah. if if you're if like you you have every everybody that that draws has like a list of things that they like drawing themselves right like mm -hmm. it takes all the grunt work out of it right so then if i were to write my own story it would basically be a list of all those things like a checklist i want to draw this i want to draw this i want to well, do you this, think that might help you it. as an artist then do you think oh, yeah. you, do you think uh you know the more knowledgeable you are about writing does that inform your artistry uh yeah, I would think so. Um like it it would definitely uh these exercises I did, they definitely um opened my eyes a bit. It's like, okay, so I know when I'm reading these these other people's comic books, this is what I like doing. And then so I I I, I do my sample pages that way. I'm like, okay, maybe I don't like doing this actually. <laughs> let me let me change this up, right? Like what about you when you're writing? Because you've you've talked to so many writers, right? Who, but me? this is your first, yeah. You. Oh, geez. Well, that was the thing about like having talked to so many writers. I knew the thing was to the number one thing was to not be afraid to start. Yeah. Yep. And you know, I think most people are literally like you're you think I'm gonna write something, and then your immediate thought after that is it's gonna suck. <laughs> and that's just like a human thing, right? And you have to just ignore that and kind of do it for you. And that's why, you know, for like for me, it was so much fun because I did just do it for me. I've got no deadlines, I'm not answering to anybody. I can take all the time in the world I I want to yeah. 
you know, work on this when I want and put as much effort in as I want. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about pleasing anybody but yourself. I did. Yeah. I, I went yeah. back to, you know, there were certain things, I guess, from I'd learned about certain things about structure and, you know, technique from talking to so many writers. But I think what I had to do for myself to actually write was get back into the headspace of being in like grade three yeah. uh, when you would just okay, Dracula's throwing a tea party and Frankenstein and the Wolfman were both there and then they had to go get the mummy for whatever reason and like just all the stupid shit you would throw into a story as a kid and just puke it out. And when I started doing that and just really like, you know, being like, oh, that's awful, get rid of that. But, you know, maybe that could sound better worded this way. Um, I, I I was a big creative writer as a kid. Like yeah. when I was young, I was I was a big artist, a big creative writer, big like I was creative all the way out, through and through with so many things. That's why, uh, you know, I would have definitely ended up in some sort of creative career had I not decided that partying was a lot more fun. <laughs> um, but you know, coming around again, I'm I'm getting to try those things, yeah. and it's yeah. it's super awesome, you know. And now I'm getting to because I'm at the point where I'm trying to translate to my artist how I see these characters, and I'm just doing concept art myself. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm 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 just good enough to be able to get a, the idea across of you know what I'm kind of thinking about this or that. You know? Right. Yeah, and, I feel like the last full story I've ever written was like in grade eight creative writing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out just to be a short Coles North version of like Final Fantasy VII because that's nice. what I was playing at the time. <laughs> One of the best exercises I ever got to do in school was in grade six. Our teacher made us do an entire year long project and it was to write a novel. Oh, wow. So, like, the first two months were right, were like rough draft. And then like another month was like cleaning it up. And then another month was like, actually you had to get like do a cover page and illustrations. And then by the end of the year, when it was all done, she had them all laminated. I still have mine. Mine's uh, mine's about Billy the kid. I wrote a story about Billy the kid. How many pages? Uh, Fucking. I can't remember. Right Did now. your teacher have to read all of these novels? Yeah, well, she worked <laughs> like they weren't novel novels. They were only like, you know, novels, the wrong word. I'm giving the idea. But to us, it was a novel because we took all year to do it. Do you have it? I do have it. That's why I'm just not sure exactly where I have it. But it's not I think I want to roughly say it's like 30 pages. Oh, OK. But okay. like. For a kid in grade six to, you know, write out, yeah, like and that's, full page, like you know, I, yeah, I guess it's long, more man. of a novella. It's definitely right. more of a novella, but still, yeah. back and you know, front and side, or sorry, back and front, both pages, and we and then because we had we had to do the whole, space. we had to do the whole process where we yeah. had to type it and then uh you know square it off and like do all the fucking logistic shit and then in the end she got them laminated and uh crazy yeah it was the most amazing project i ever had and it was i remember just like how how many late nights of like just writing and writing and writing and writing you know just trying to get the deadline done never mind like when i was in grade six i didn't have to think shit up yeah, like when you're in grade six, you're just like this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. You don't really have yeah. to sit there 
nowadays and be like, okay, what's unique? Let me think of something different or interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. back then you're just like, blah, 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 blah. So back then it was a deadline thing because she was also trying to teach us deadlines. So you had to get <laughs> like, a, I need your first five pages by next week sort of thing. Yeah. So we'd have to, you know, and then you, it would, it was more way. I remember it being way more on my head to get it done in time mm -hmm. than to, is this good or not? I didn't give a fuck if it was good. I, I, I thought it was good because I was having so much fun. I was like, oh, the Billy, the kid shot this guy. And then they went and they did this. Right. And yeah, then, yeah it was, that was the easy part. Then now that's the hard part. I feel like now it's the hard part because you know all these like literary rules yes. that you're supposed to stick to, right? It's so many stories. <laughs> Think about how many stories I've consumed at this point. Like it's impossible yeah. to write anything that doesn't that isn't influenced by something else. You know oh what no, I mean? yeah. There's yeah, you I don't think you can my biggest thing for my comic that I'm writing right now is fighting off Lord of the Rings. Because I'm not, I'm not like I love Lord of the Rings, but I'm not like a Lord of the Rings freak. But there's just certain my 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 story is uh it's very environmental. It takes place on like right. a forest world. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I and don't I don't know how fighting off the the Rivendell Elven type <laughs> society. Yeah, is it's actually more difficult than I than I thought it would be. Like, cause my mind just keeps naturally gravitate gravitating towards elves. And, yeah. and and Lord of the Ring elves. And that's not quite what I know my characters are, but there's right. elements of that that are really hard to stay away from. You because you're I mean? familiar with it, I guess. Well, plus, yeah, because I want these to be humanoid, but I don't want them to be humans. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like you're trying to make a burger without making it a burger because you have all the burger ingredients. You have yes, the body yes, and the right? meat. But you're like, how do I make this not not a right. burger not okay a like burger. you're gonna take what like when you think about <laughs> taking sandwich making a <laughs> yeah. really yeah making a really subtle change to the human form just enough that it's not human so everything's been done elf ears vulcan <laughs> ears because <laughs> they, like, they you know they, they like got, um, around the forehead or whatever yeah, yeah the uh their knees are backwards no because then you're you're <laughs> That is still. Yeah, um, I I know that's been done too. What's the other? What's the other story with like the fawn and the the writer was friends with Tolkien. Oh, uh, uh, Lion oh, Witch in the Wardrobe. The yeah, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, it's C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, Lewis, yeah. Did you guys watch the Ahsoka finale last no. night? No. Oh, oh no, my don't say anything. god! There are so. I was many. just say. I was just saying that to Paul today. I was like, I haven't even watched the last episode. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk to the king up. of lightsabers. <laughs> but you guys, you guys heard all the references between uh, White Gandalf and White Ahsoka. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't end any like at this point. <laughs> There's plenty more comparisons to make in the last episode, and you just can't help. And you know what? And yeah. I don't think Filoni should fight it. He's a big Lord of the Rings fan. It's cool to be influenced by and inspired yeah, by it, things that were cool. It's impossible to be original. I'm sure that right? there is something that the that whole Gandalf thing is actually referenced from too. Right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. again going back to what I said about Neon Black. That's one of the reasons I really appreciate this book because it is, you know, as much as there are a lot of recognizable elements in this book, you've cooked them up into a recipe that is not super familiar. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a sucker for that shit because I just love mysticism. 
whether it's fantasy, sci-fi, whatever, I love the element of mysticism. And, you know, between, you know, Paul, your art in the flashbacks and, you know, just invoking that whole idea of what you were saying, Kevin, how in our heads we see it differently, you know, yeah. and memories always have a different palette to them. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I just love that. I, I still love that. I think that was the first thing that really hooked me into your book when I first read it was that element. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I love that. I, I don't as much as I love canon and I love answers and like going back and finding out. There's a very important air of mysticism and mystery that needs to stay. Yeah. Like, you know, the yeah. one thing that will kill Star Wars is if we ever find out Yoda's background. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that cannot be done or that series dies. Right. Yeah. Yet, how hardcore are we about, you know, wanting to know Star Wars canon history? Yeah. You know, we're like fucking hardcore a, about it. We need a Yoda miniseries. Right. But we have our lines and we have our standards because as true like fantasy sci fi fans, we understand there's certain elements. There's lines you cannot cross. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I still watch it. Right. <laughs> But I love it. You're giving us just enough canon in Neon Black to keep it interesting, learn the past, kind of, you know, get an idea and be excited for where it's going in the future. But yeah. uh, it's got that mystery. And uh, kids, that's why you should all go out and get Neon Black. Where can people get it right now? You can actually get it at, well, let me make sure I have it right, neonblackcomic.com. And is that it? Don't you have it on any shelves yet? You um. I don't have it on any shelves in any stores just yet. What are you um, doing, man? It's just it's just online and um I love how nonchalantly you guys make this awesome fucking comic comic. We get like one issue every two years and you know it, it you don't even put it in any stores because that would mean you'd have to go out for the weekend and drive around to stores. <laughs> but you've got kids to play with, so I get it. <laughs> Well, now, now she's getting older, old enough to she'll want to come with me. Well, I, I'm at that opposite point now where fucking uh, Declan's done. Like, I was like, coming to Fan Expo? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? You've came every year of your life, literally. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'm good this year. And I was like, okay. So this was uh, like the first year <laughs> ever that he didn't at least make an appearance at Fan oh, Expo. Man. Yeah, you, did, you should have just forced him. No, no. <laughs> you gonna... will, you will like it. Listen, I've injected him with all all of the me that I can, and now he's at that point where it's his turn to become his own man. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. figure out who he is in a, as a person. And so far, what he is as a person is a Ronaldo loving, uh, you know, <laughs> soccer so, playing uh, kid. So Ronaldo so. needs to come to Fan Expo. Oh my God, that would be the there end of go. everything. <laughs> the kid would probably like just freeze and not know what to do with himself. Awesome. <laughs> Guys, that was so much fun. Thanks for hanging out, man. Hey, thanks, thanks J-Man. Of course. Uh, Kevin Briones, yes. you are going to be appearing on October 21st at yes. Artsy Fartsy Con. Artsy Con. Yes, oh, I am. so excited. That is a show that me and my very good friend Anthony Ruckazer of the Handsome Genius Club are throwing at the Transat Club in Toronto on Broadview, October 21st, 11, 10 to 5 or 11 to 5. Either way, come yeah. on out. It's literally nothing but comic books and artists and like, like some crazy, crazy guests. 
uh like uh geez so many i don't even know who to think of jay fosgett it's gonna be jay fosgett's return to canada uh after a long time we got adam gorham is ricky coming. lima ricky, ricky lima, lima is coming sean daly is gonna be there sean uh allison o'toole jeff estrella it's a it's a really really cool lineup so everybody should come on out uh paul i believe you're up at a hero's tale yeah, I'm at Heroes Tale that day, uh, doing stuff for Martin's uh, Frankenstein Vision book. Uh, yeah, which is an exciting yeah. book. Um, we're we're actually a bunch of uh, Frankenstein Vision artists will be at Artsy Fartsy as well. Uh, yeah. so they're getting around. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic time up there in Guelph at a Heroes Tale, Paul. Thank you, thank you very much. Kevin, I will see you very soon on October 21st at Artsy Fartsy. Other than that, kids, this is our last show before I am out of here. Next Wednesday, I will be heading to New York York. City Comic Con. Once again, an elegant weapon returns uh, to cover that event as press. I'm so excited. So many awesome. of our wonderful friends are going to be there. Uh, Stan Kanopka is going to be there. Dirk Manning, Drina Joe, uh, Source Point Press, um, Becca Kinsey, the Becca. The Becca is making her uh, New York City debut. We're so proud of her to be heading out there uh, to represent our crew out here. Uh, also, Paraseline. Paraseline is going to be there all tabled up. It's just going to be a nutty time. I will be there partying hard, kids. Uh, check out all the social medias, of course. Uh, kids, uh, that's good times. Again, I'm going to yeah. bug Kevin. We're going to get Gotham and a few other shops to actually put Neon Block on their shelves so yes. you can go buy them. But for now, go on to Neon Block, uh, neonblackcomic.com. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, pick it up again. Uh, Paul, Kevin, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. That is awesome. Yeah. Kids, that is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Takarish.